Why do you stare into the sky? It's relaxing for me. Just kind of unwind, de-stress. Stare in the sky sometimes because I'm discouraged, I'm fearful. What, what's going on? Got a lot of questions. I stare into the sky sometimes like Job, angry. Why is this happening? Why did this happen? I don't understand. I need an answer from you, Lord. I stare into the sky with my imagination. I look at a cloud and I see an animal and I see a human being or a face or some sort of dragon or something there. Or I look at the stars and wonder, how far is that one? And is that a planet? And which planet is it? And, you know, how far away is that? I hear the roar of the thunder and I look up. I see the lightning flash and it makes you look in awe, doesn't it? The power that's there. I look into the sky with creativity. You ever had a project you're thinking about or something you're trying to plan or come up with an idea and you just find a place, stare out into the sky, and all of a sudden your, your mind's decluttered and you come up with that idea. You solve that puzzle. You have a project that you're working on. Solution comes. I think people stare into the sky for signs. They count their lucky stars. What an idiotic phrase. Count your lucky stars. It's a false religion. And what idiocy of what sign are you? Are you Capricorn or Tars or something else? As if the stars looking up could tell you your personality and your past, your present, what's happening in the future. And then you have people in the Christian world who look into the sky and they write these books. They see the sign. This is when Jesus is coming back. That's what the moon is saying and that's what the stars are lining up to say, and that's what the planets are telling us, and it's going to happen on such and such a day, and they make their next dollar and move on to their next book. We look into the sky for our signs. We look into the sky, stare into it to navigate, don't we? Our compass, where we are, direction. People who are in agriculture look into the sky to when to plant, when to harvest. What's the weather going to be like? What's the warnings there? I'm thankful for people like Mike that look into the sky and tell us how to prepare, what's ahead, what's happening in our weather, the warnings that are there. Why do I look into the sky? Kind of like Abraham, to remind me of the promises of God. God told Abraham, stare up in that sky. Look at those stars. You see those stars? Your descendants, the generations that will come from you, will outnumber those stars. Why do you stare into the sky? Maybe like David and the others. We lift up our eyes into the heavens to the Lord of all creation, the one who created all of us from where we receive our help. We look into the sky, we stare into the sky to worship God, don't we? The heavens declare what? The glory of God. We stare into the sky because the Lord Almighty, he's the Lord of all hosts. He's the Lord of heaven and of earth. And we're blessed to be his creatures. Two angels one time stood right next to the disciples. And they said to those disciples, why are you staring in the sky? I want to read that to you. And please listen as I read that encounter from Luke and Acts about this amazing story of staring into the sky. After his suffering there, he's talking about Jesus. He presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. 
He appeared to them for over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. As they're looking intently up into the sky as he was going, suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city with great joy. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of James, and with his brothers. And they stayed constantly at the temple, praising God. Go back to verses 9 through 11, where the angels asked, why are you standing, staring in the sky? Well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? They're amazed. You know, around Christmas time, which we just experienced a few weeks ago, you could buy Christmas cards. Short time after Halloween, you could start buying Christmas gifts, right? All the stores are filled with the gifts that you could buy and trying to get you to buy this and to buy that and have all these gifts. And we have somehow, over a period of time, the whole world has commercialized Christmas. The birth of Jesus is commercialized. And here in just a few weeks, the first Sunday in April, we will be celebrating the Easter, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here next week after Valentine's over with, you can start buying all your Easter candy and Easter dresses and Easter clothes and Easter things. And we've commercialized Easter, haven't we? And I just mentioned a while ago how certain people have learned how to commercialize the return of Christ as well. But the ascension has not been commercialized. Oh, in certain traditions, you have the Ascension Sunday, and they'll wear a certain color. But there's no Ascension card, Happy Ascension Day, and there's no gifts to buy for Ascension. And Ascension seems to be lost in the mix, right? You have crucifixion, resurrection, Pentecost, the church is established. Or you think about Ascension, it's like crucifixion, resurrection, Ascension, Pentecost. It's all mixed in. It's like me. I have my birthday on December 22nd. I was brought home, my parents told me, I don't remember it, on Christmas Day. Now, my parents and my family have been very good about separating my birthday from Christmas as much as possible. But even now, I'm very hard-pressed to tell you, even this past Christmas, what I got for my birthday and what I got for Christmas. Right? They're all mixed in together. And the crucifixion's awesome. It's amazing. The resurrection's amazing. The return of Christ is amazing. The ascension of Christ is an amazing story in and of itself. It's an inspiring story. It's a complete, it completes the circle, doesn't it? The arrival of God into this world, the incarnation. The ministry in this world. The departure out of this world in the ascension. And 
his return will be just like the way he ascended out of here. That's why we stare into the sky. His ministry is a savior. He comes as the eternal God, and he humbles himself and becomes a man, and not just a man, a servant. And not just a servant, a servant obedient unto death. And Why did he do that? So that through death he could conquer our sins. And then after three days and three nights in the grave, he's raised from the dead, right? So in his resurrection, he could conquer death. He conquers sins. He conquers death. And here this ascension is he's lifted up into the air, into the cloud. He's being raised as the conquering Savior, the conquering Savior, to which these two angels say, he's coming back, this same Jesus. Next time he descends, though, he's coming as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Amen? He talks to Laodicean church, Jesus, and he says, look, I conquered everything, and now I sit with my Father on his throne. Those disciples stare into the sky because they are absolutely amazed at what they're seeing. This is not an illusion on TV. You've seen them where crowds around on TV, and they can only do it on TV, where the, the illusion is now begins to lift himself off the ground. It's a lie. It's all done by tricks. It doesn't really happen. And this wasn't just a few inches. They saw him raised, ascending into the cloud to disappear from their view into the spiritual world. It's amazing. They had been amazed all his life, haven't they? They were amazed at his teachings. They were amazed at his power over disease and over disability and over demons and over nature. There was nothing that was not too difficult for our Lord and Savior. They were amazed at his own life. They were amazed that after he's crucified, he appears to them in the resurrection. And for 40 days later, right before his eyes, 40 days later is now, after all those different sights they'd seen, he now ascends until he disappears in the cloud. And the two angels ask him this question, why do you stare into the sky? Now, it's not a coincidence that two angels are there. Those two angels connect you to the salvation history of God throughout with his people. It was two angels that were there when God's judgment came upon Sodom and Gomorrah. When they built the Ark of the Covenant, do you know what they put on top of the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant? They made two gold figures of two angels so that when God would speak, as he did to Moses, the voice of God would come between those two angels on the ark. In the Solomon's temple, there were two 15-foot olive wood images of those two angels. Two angels were at the tomb. They're there at the tomb, so when the women come to bring the preparations to prepare Jesus' body on Resurrection Sunday, the two angels declare, he's not here, he's risen. And now there are two angels at his ascension standing next to those disciples and saying, why are you staring into the sky? He's not here. He has ascended. But he will descend the same way that he ascended. It's not a coincidence that there are two angels connected to this story, nor is there a coincidence here that there's a cloud connected to this story. Jesus ascends into the heaven but disappears in the cloud Cloud has always been part of the salvation history of God's people, right? It was in a cloud that God's glory led his people throughout their wanderings. It was in a cloud, a dark, thick cloud that you could not see through, 
that just covered the top of Mount Sinai when Moses is up there receiving the law. So the people couldn't see what was going on. And Psalms tells you that it was because that cloud was so thick with darkness because of God's holiness and righteousness that was in there. The cloud was there when given the law. That cloud was there when Solomon built the temple. And the cloud of the glory of God filled the entire temple so much that the priests could not even minister in the temple at that time. The cloud of glory was seen by Ezekiel in the temple. Ezekiel's taken off into captivity. He gets this prophecy that Judah is going to be destroyed by Babylon and the temple will be destroyed as well. And Ezekiel's carried in the vision to see the temple filled with the glory of God, that cloud. And he sees the glory, and it dismays him so much, the glory of God leaving the temple along with the Holy Spirit. At the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, a couple of apostles got to witness that and they saw Moses and Elijah and Jesus having a conversation on that mountaintop, remember? And in that mountaintop, and Peter sees that, hey, we need to build three places, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. And then suddenly the cloud and the voice, this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased. And when the cloud now covers the three, Moses and Elijah are gone, and just there remains the transfigured Jesus. At his crucifixion, high noon to 3 p.m., when our Lord and Savior is on the cross, dying as our Passover lamb, in clear view of everybody, oh, that thick, dark cloud of God appeared again. Brought darkness upon that land from 12 to 3. So those evil eyes that had done this could not have a clear view of what they were doing to our loving, beautiful, innocent Savior. So people could not gaze upon him with a clear view, but to also remind us that God had not abandoned his son on that cross. I believe that thick, dark cloud was the glory of God cloud that was there on Mount Sinai to show that this is not some ordinary crucifixion. This is not some man you're killing. This is what I planned and promised and envisioned from day one. I'm doing this for you. So it should not surprise you at this ascension, Jesus goes into the heaven into a cloud and disappears. It's not a coincidence. Nor is it a coincidence that this happens on the Mount of Olives. I mean the Mount of Olives. This is where Jesus would take in the Gospels his disciples and teach them about the kingdom of God. It's here on the Mount of Olives that he now ascends into heaven as they look and stare into the sky. And Zechariah 14 tells you when Jesus returns, he's returned to the same place, the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives. And as Lynn read to us earlier, the things that will transpire there, it almost can make you cry. That's why we stare into the sky. What an amazing Savior we have, amen? Amazing Savior. Why do you stare into the sky? Because we have a mission. It reminds me of our mission. He ascends, if you look in, verse, in Luke 24 and Acts 1 and following those verses. He ascends and he leaves his disciples and leaves us as his church with a mission and with power. This is not a retirement ceremony. This is not Jesus with his work all done and now he gets the gold watch and sits on the right hand of God and waits till he comes back. It's not a retirement ceremony, but a launching pad. Very much like when we're on the launching pad here, we send those ships into outer space. 
with a mission. Jesus makes it clear, this is not retirement. This is not the end, me leaving here. No, this is a mission. So in Acts 1-3, that's why if you look in Acts 1-3, he spends much time giving them convincing proofs that he's alive. He teaches them. He eats with them. He goes many places, many different people, many different events, many different things, all with convincing proof that he's alive. That's why he takes the 40 days to do it. And in verse 6 through 8 of chapter 1, this is why he gives them this mission. Why do you stare into the sky? Because you have a mission to remember. I'm going to give you power as my church. I'm going to give you a plan as my church. I'm going to give you a vision to carry it out. You're going to be my witnesses, not by your power, not because you're going to talk about someone in the past like me, but you're going to realize that the Holy Spirit is with you today. You have the power that I've given you for this time, and you are going to go first to Jerusalem, then to Judea, and then to Samaria, and then to Rome, and throughout the rest of the world. Some of those apostles never got out of Jerusalem. Some never left Judea. Hardly any of them went to Samaria. Some went through other parts of Rome. None of them went around the entire world. But you know what and who did? His church. Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did that, didn't he? You think about all the promise that he's given us. He gave them that power that's there. And here we are, 2,000 years later, empires like Rome have come and gone. Pandemics and plagues and diseases like the nasty one we have now will come and go. There will be more and war and war and more and more natural disasters that will occur. It will be devastating. There will be advancements in knowledge and education and advancements in all fields of study that you can imagine that we're facing today. There will always be brand new technology that will render everything that we think is pretty cool today as, as antiques tomorrow. We live in a world of change. But Jesus says, when you look to the sky, you, stare, you remember your mission. You are my church. And I promise you, as the transfigured, crucified, ascended, resurrected Lord this is my church, and the gates of hell cannot even bring it down. No matter how much evil, no matter how much injustice, no matter how bad things get, my church will never be old. My church will never lose its relevancy. My church will always stand because I'm the head of that church, and I've equipped that church with the Holy Spirit power. And John says, I want you to remember that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And that's why you stare into the sky, to go into all the world, to be reminded that we have a message to proclaim, people to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to remember our mission that we are his witnesses and he will be with us until the end of this age. Why do you stare into the sky? You go back to Acts 1.11 again, it's because it explains everything. It's an explanation of everything. Jesus has not abandoned us. He's been taken up into heaven. I keep using that phrase up. <laughs> He's in the spiritual realm. He's not abandoned us. He's not left us alone. Explains everything about who Jesus is. There's a man who died in 949 B.C. 
There's a man who died in China in 552 B.C. There's a man who died in Iran in 551 B.C. There's a man who died on June the 8th of 632 A.D. There's a man who died in Carthage, Illinois on June the 27th of 1844. There's a woman who died in Deer Park, California on February the 15th, 1915. And there was a man who died in Creston, California on January the 24th, 1986. You know where they still are? Still dead. They're still exactly however they enshrined them or buried them or, or put them in a tomb. You can go visit their tombs, read their biographies, find out about them. You know who all those people are? They're all religious leaders of fake human religions. And every one of those leaders are dead. And you can go to their tomb, you can make a pilgrimage to them, but not a one of them ascended. Not a one of them was resurrected. Are you with me? Now, the church, in some of its craziness, has built shrines over what's supposed to be the tomb of Jesus and where he might have lived, and just crazy stuff to make money. But you don't have to go to Israel to see the tomb of Jesus, even if you knew where it was. You don't have to make a pilgrimage there because it's not about the tomb. <laughs> our Lord, our Lord, are you with me? Is the ascended Christ, the living Christ. And this same Jesus, why do you stare into the heavens? Well, well to remember who this Jesus is. And who he is. And to remember that the same way that he ascended, he's going to descend. And so Jesus is our only H-O-P-E. Our only H-O-P-E. And no one else or nowhere else. Jesus Christ is the eternal, transfigured, crucified, resurrected, ascending, and descending Savior. And there's none like him. None like him. He's returning in the clouds. Reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. So why do you stare into the sky? Verse 11, because he's my intercessor. He didn't abandon me. He didn't go to a retirement ceremony. No, he's enthroned at the right hand of God. Why? To always make intercession for us. From the time of his ascension until his return, he is our great intercessor. Amen? And what a great intercessor he is. He's not only not retired, at the right hand of God sitting right now in heaven, every heavenly creature is worshiping him as the Lord God Almighty, the great I am, the great Lamb of God. And one day when he returns, when he descends back here, it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess this name above all names in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And he is that great intercessor right now, making intercession for every one of us. The fact that he has that intercessory ministry proves that his work on the cross was finished. He came to us as that great high priest. He's still our high priest in heaven. Why do you stare into that sky? Because we're witnesses of that. Look in Acts 1. We're witnesses to that fact. Jesus says, I want you to go be witnesses through the power of the Holy Spirit 
of who I am and what I've done. And I want you to spread throughout the entire world. And we need strength for that. We need direction for that. And Christ is that great intercessor, that great high priest who offered himself and not the blood of bulls and goats or lambs, offered his own self for us, is that high priest in heaven for us right now who makes intercession for us. We're not abandoned. See this in the verse? Jesus says, go to Jerusalem and a few days later, I'm going to pour out unto you my Holy Spirit. I didn't leave you. My Holy Spirit's in you and the church is going to do even greater things than what it did when I was here on this earth. And here we are 2,000 years later, same power, same spirit by which we do the work that God has given us. Amen? Jesus didn't abandon us. He said, no, I'll be with you to the end of this age. And that's why Paul says that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And that's why Paul could say, if I stay here on this earth and I have to continue to suffer for the cause of Christ, it's a win for me. Because Christ is in me and gives me the strength that I need to accomplish the things that Christ has told me to do. But he also says, however, if this is the time of my departure, when I am through fighting the good fight of faith, this is, this is my time, it's a win for me as well. Because when I depart this life, I'm going to go and be with my Lord forever. And nothing, no one can separate me from the love of God through Christ Jesus. It's a win-win, isn't it? We make that statement because the Spirit's within us and we stare into the sky to remind ourselves that we are that witnesses by the Holy Spirit. We witness to everyone that God loves us and He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, as the Son of God to save us. Why do you stare into the sky? Verse 11, because He's coming back. He's returning. Look up and wonder, you ever done that? What will that be like? When Jesus begins to descend, what, what is that going to be like? I can read some of the things that are going to happen. But to experience that, can you imagine what that's going to be like for the believer? But it also tells me something about our history, right? How many of you have heard the expression, history is a cycle, circle, always repeats itself? That is the Greek word baloney. <laughs> can you say that? Baloney. History does not repeat itself. When it does repeat itself, it's because of our sinful nature. We keep doing the same sins over and over again. History's not a circle. History's pointed straight towards a destination. History is going towards the one who created it all. And history's going towards the rule, the reign of the eternal Savior as the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's all heading that way. That's why I like when the angels say, this same Jesus will come back to you. Not another messenger about Jesus. Not a, another angel that's going to tell you the story of Jesus. But this Jesus who was incarnated, this Jesus who was baptized, this Jesus who ministered, this Jesus who was transfigured and crucified and resurrected and ascended, he's the same one coming back. He's returning as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we're surrounded by people who mock that who deny that, who laugh at that, who think we're crazy for believing that. But it's true. It's the truth. And that truth will stand a long time after those mockers and scoffers are in the grave along with everybody else. Because our Savior's risen. Our Savior's ascended. 
our Savior's coming back. That's why I stare into the sky certain days and go, my Lord's coming back. Wonder what that's going to be like. He's returning. So what do you see when you stare into the sky and you think about Jesus? I, I see that on that day when he returns, that all the enemies of God will be defeated, dethroned, and utterly destroyed. I see on that day when I stare in the sky when Jesus will descend, I see a day in which God will take everything that's imperfect because of sin and he'll restore it and make it new and make it perfect once again. And when I stare into the sky, I'm reminded that I'm going to see Jesus who's going to return as the great I am, who will reign forever as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's why you stare into the sky as well. This morning, if you're listening to this by podcast or online or here and you need to respond, we want to help you in that. If you're online, please write to the email address on the screen or contact your shepherd group leader if you're a member of this congregation. If you're here this morning and you'd like to respond to this in some way, need help in some way, uh, you can talk to one of our elders after services or make your way to the front bench and speak to one of them right now as together we stand and sing this next song.